Well, we are beginning a new series this morning. We are beginning a series about being satisfied. And yeah, it kind of lines up with the calendar in which you know, we're, we know we're getting closer to Thanksgiving. But the strangeness of our calendar is we don't wait very long after Thanksgiving uh, to be inundated with the sales, right? Christmas, is, uh, from a commercial standpoint, is invading already. And so we, we can't even spend one full day being thankful. We've got to think about the next deal that might be on the horizon. So I was thinking, I was wondering, like, if you could just imagine, who is the most unsatisfied person that you know? You might be able to think of someone. Maybe you're thinking, that's actually probably me. But who's the most unsatisfied person that you know? Think about their behaviors, their, their anxieties, their stresses. And I was thinking about someone in, in my life, and uh, my grandma who's passed, uh, did not always have a great relationship with my family and I. Um, my, my mom and her didn't talk for over a dozen years, and uh, the first time I met my grandmother, uh, I was probably five, six years old or so, and, I, and I've shared this story, I think, with you all, perhaps, that we went out to eat, and at the end of dinner, my grandmother asked my mom, how did you get one so smart? I never did. And there's just something in some people that you never are grateful, you're never satisfied, you're always just looking for another way to poke at what you didn't get in your mind, what you don't have, your frustrations, your discontent. And one of my fun little just memories of how to kind of navigate that relationship was uh, in Texas they have something called Whataburger and I'm just gonna say equivalent wise if you think about going to Culver's in this region it's just kind of your local fast food place and something that Whataburger does that's special is their ketchup is somehow special. They, they actually sell it in grocery stores, people love the ketchup and on the ketchup it says the word fancy and fancy script. Fancy ketchup. And I remember telling my grandmother when we went to try this place, oh, you've got to have the ketchup. It's fancy ketchup. And you know, she then started stockpiling this fancy ketchup and putting it in her purse to go with her. Because this isn't just normal stuff. This is the fancy stuff. But even though that's a little bit of a caricature, we all experience in our lives a certain dissatisfaction. And some of that is internal in us. Our brain's just trying to figure out how to go for the next thing. And it helps us keep driven to keep looking for the next meal, keep looking for how to find safety. But society also plays on it. I mean, we are inundated with ads. No person, no like culture, no civilization has ever gone through as many ads as we go through. You're just built ready to experience it. And it's a little funny, you know, having little ones at home trying to explain to them when they aren't watching Netflix or something that's streaming that when there's ads of like, trust me, the show's coming back. It's just a commercial. It'll be over soon. And in this season, YouTube and whatever else is going into ads, it's suddenly going into political ads. You're like, oh my goodness, how do you, uh, don't worry about this commercial. Just ignore it, move on. But we are just inundated with people who are telling us that we should not be content, and here's the way that you will find satisfaction in life. It's the next meal. It's the next car. It's the next tech toy. It's the next all sorts of things. Or maybe it's the next person. You're not good enough on your own. You've got to find the person that will make you feel satisfied. And in different 
eras, we have different ways to, to sing about this. Right? Everybody, if you're a certain age group, you might hear the rolling stones in your head about not being able to get no satisfaction. Maybe if you like musicals and plays, you hear Hamilton, uh, never be satisfied. There's something in us that is just always hungry for something more. And so we're going to spend three weeks looking for, what is it to look for actual satisfaction? And that's not to mean that you don't care about anything in the world. But what is it to be satisfied with your present state as you work for a better world? And so I'm going to read for us our text for today, which comes from Luke chapter 7, verses 24 to 35. When John's messengers had gone, Jesus began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to look at? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? Someone dressed in soft robes? Look, those who put on fine clothing and live in luxury are in royal places. What then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet, this is the one who it is written about. See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. I tell you, among those born of women, no one is greater than John. Yet the least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. And all the people who heard this, including the tax collectors, acknowledged the justice of God because they had been baptized with John's baptism. But by refusing to be baptized him by him, the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purposes for themselves. To what then will I compare people of this generation? And what are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to one another. We played the flute for you and you did not dance. We wailed and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come eating no bread and drinking no wine, and you say he has a demon. And the Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, look, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Nevertheless, wisdom is vindicated by all of her children. The word of the Lord. I love this story because Jesus is being honest and laying everything on the table. There's a lot of things that these kind of assumptions people have, these things that are going on in their heart and their mind that he's like, okay, I'm going to name them out loud. You guys aren't satisfied. Let's talk about it. And so John the Baptist had just had messengers come through and he's like, okay, let's talk about John the Baptist. And there's a lot of people who went out into the wilderness to find some purpose and meaning and you went out to John the Baptist. But why did you go out there? And he calls out, you don't go out to the wilderness if you want the life of luxury. If you want soft robes, if you want amazing uh, luxury in life, you just don't go to the wilderness. That's not what happens in the wilderness. John is out in the wilderness living a different way. So why did you go out there? It wasn't for comfort. You were looking for something. What were you looking for? And each of us get invited into this text by wondering, okay, what am I looking for? I could be anywhere right now. What is it I'm desiring? What is it that God has got in front of me that I'm longing for? What, what am I here for? And so Jesus is like, hey, you didn't go to the wilderness for luxury. You went there because you wanted to see a prophet. How many of us, we just want to see, God, there has to be something more. The prophets are the ones who give words to the vision of how God sees the world, not how we typically see the world. God, there's got to be something greater. There's got to be something more. I, I need something more. Give me a vision of what that looks like. 
So you went out into the wilderness. You left luxury behind. You wanted to see a prophet. And he came and he, he proclaimed repentance of leave your old life behind. Live into this new kingdom of God. And the people all got baptized. They said, oh, this is for me. I, I want to be a part of this. Because that vision looked beautiful to them and they got baptized. And then they went back to wondering, am I satisfied? And so they had that religious moment, that experience. They, they thought that they'd, they'd seen what they needed to. They thought that they did what they needed to. And then they got restless again. And so Jesus invites them to reflect on what is it to seek God's voice in the world. The people in this story get two options. You get a little bit of a binary. Do you want it this way or that way? God's like, okay, I sent John the Baptist. He's the ascetic. He's the, like the monk-like figure who's going to live out in the wilderness. He's going to not have anything luxurious. He's going to live a difficult life. He's not going to eat or drink a lot. He's going he's to be this narrow road that's difficult and challenging. You want to go that route? Jesus comes, and He's having feasts. He's having parties and celebrations. And you're like, okay, I've got two options of, of what I could follow God in. Maybe you want the hard routes of, of the wilderness. Maybe you want the feasts and the celebrations. And Jesus is like, how hard is it to please you people? You don't want any of it. You don't want John's route. You don't want my route. He has a demon. I'm a glutton and a drunkard. What is it going to ever take to find satisfaction? And so... We think about the ways in which we can be critical and it just allows us to cut down everything. And we live in a society where that's really easy. Uh, we, we know how to be critical. Right? We're critical of any type of authorities in our lives. We're critical of governments. We're critical of businesses. We're critical of religious faces. We're critical of everything. And so Jesus is saying, hey, look, You've had two vastly different options, and yet you don't want either thing. And for some of us, we have to come to grips with, why is it I'm still living so unsatisfied, even though I've gone through such different moments of life? I've had times of plenty, I've had times of nothing. I've had promotions and the job I wanted, and I've had the job I hated or couldn't find work. I had relationships that seemed like they were thriving. I had relationships falling apart. And if I can't find satisfaction in any of these situations, at some point I have to ask, what am I doing? It's not on John the Baptist to suddenly, well, maybe he should live a little bit more luxurious in the wilderness, and then the crowds will, will have a better response. It's not on Jesus to, well, just say no to a few parties. Maybe then people will be satisfied. At some point, it's on each of us as the crowd to just say, God, where are you leading me? Where's the vision? Where's the prophet? And how can I just say yes to your message and not the one in my head that keeps self-critiquing and critiquing everybody around me? And so John, um, John is in the wilderness. Jesus is, is having parties. And Luke gives us this really interesting illustration. He says, to what then will I compare the people of this generation? And it's kind of funny. We're so used to being griping about this generation and this era. It's fun to hear 
ancient people also griping. This generation is just the worst. How dare Gen Z? How dare millennials? How dare Gen X? How dare baby boomers? We are just living in a perpetual cycle of everybody saying, now the world's going to end because this generation is just awful. To what can I compare this generation? What are they like? They're like children in the marketplace calling to one another. We played the flute for you and, not, and you didn't dance. We wailed and you didn't weep. I think it's meant to give you two images. The, the playing the flute and dancing of, we threw a wedding feast, or the, the wailing and weeping, or we threw a funeral. And parents can tell you that taking kids to a wedding or a funeral can be challenging because you're trying to help them know, here's how you should behave in this setting. This is joyous. Don't act like you're so annoyed to wait a few minutes. When is we going to get our food? Are we still going to have to wait here? Can we go home? It's a wedding. Celebrate. When it's a funeral, maybe it's someone who's lived this great long life and we're wanting to celebrate their life. Or maybe it's someone who's taken too early and we want to grieve together. But the kid is thinking about, you know, I'd rather be on my iPad right now. Can I get out of here? And that problem is not a this century problem. 2,000 years ago, how do I talk about this generation? Man, we played you the flute and you didn't want to dance. We weeped and we wept out loud and you didn't want to grieve with us. Like, how do we get people to come together and have an experience and just live in that moment and stop being so frustrated and just longing for something else? And so I think for us as we enter into this text, enter into this series, something that we all have to do is we have to name for ourselves the answer to the question, what were you looking for? If you don't know what you're seeking, you will never find satisfaction. Because you will keep moving the goalposts on yourself. We're talking about moving the goalposts of, um, let's say you wanted to play the paper football game. You know, we flick the football, and you're playing there, and you got a kid that's going to kick, and they're about to kick, and then you just move it back. The kid would say, hey, that's not fair. Don't, don't move it. A moving target is no fun to play with. But for so many of us, when we don't name, here's what I'm longing for, God. Here's what I need. Here's, I just need this. This is what I'm longing for today. Well, you might get the thing, but then you just realize, well, actually what I needed was that. I, actually what I needed was that. And we're playing this game with God of like, God, I'm never satisfied. I don't know why I'm never satisfied, God. If we can't name what we're, what we're doing, what we're seeking, we're not going to get to a place where we'll ever find that satisfaction. And so today is a day for introspection of thinking inside of yourself, reflecting internally of, well, what do I want? What do I, what do I need from God right now? And if you haven't actually just named that in prayer, that's a beautiful place to start, right? I mean, we think about, you know what, I need this thing, but I can't take five minutes and pray about it. I can't spend a week where I spend every night thinking about this, praying about it. Or maybe you wake up in the morning, pray about it. For some of us, it's, God, I, I really need patience. My, 
my spirit is just so stirred up that I'm so reactionary. I can't, I can't keep myself from just running headfirst into things and I keep messing things up. God, would you just make me more patient? And I just, I need my spirit to feel a sense of calm. Well, wouldn't it be good to name that out loud to God? And if every morning, every evening, every lunchtime, at moments in your day, you just said, God, help me be more patient today. I, I need your patience. Fill me with your patience. Wouldn't you find that satisfaction in being a little bit more patient so much faster by naming it and taking the time for that? And so, maybe your problem, maybe you find that you're just having a hard time uh, being kind, that you found that you've been a little jagged to people. You're like, I didn't mean it that way. I hope they didn't take it that way, but maybe you could have said it a little bit different. Maybe you, that, that spirit is kind of anger is coming through. And you say, okay, God, I just need your kindness to grow up inside of me. And if every morning, every evening, you at least took a little bit of time to name that to God, at some point, God will be moving that and growing it in you, and you will be paying enough attention that you will notice when it changes. I love Luke tells this image of why did you go out into the desert? And he has the thing about the reed blowing in the wind. And I was just thinking about Western movies and you got the, like, the tumbleweed just kind of blowing by. Like It's one of those things that it doesn't matter. Who cares if there's a tumbleweed in a Western kind of movie? But yet, that little thing gives you a sense of what kind of story you're in. And there's so many things that are like tumbleweed that they don't really matter, but maybe this thing is just going by you in life and you're not noticing it, but if you were looking for it, you might be thankful. You might say, oh, that helps me know what kind of story I'm living in today. Thank you, God. I, I would have missed this, but thank you for giving me eyes to see it. And I think about how many of us in this current era, it is so easy post-pandemic. Everybody was unsatisfied. I mean, nobody wants to live in a pandemic. I don't know anybody who's like, oh, thank goodness, the world is shutting down, people are dying, jobs are changing, schools are changing. But everybody was forced to think about, well, what do I want? Think about how many people left jobs, have moved jobs, uh, because they're like, this work does not satisfy what I need in life. Think about how many people switched churches, left churches. Think about how many people just changed relationships. We all have this opportunity in this season. None of us chose this season, but we get to choose what we make of this season. And so it's up to you. What are you going to spend time with God working on being satisfied while working for that better world. Because that's the other side of the story. Jesus and John did not come to say, everybody just be happy as you are. They, they come proclaiming, the kingdom of God is at hand. The world works one way, God's way works a whole lot differently. And it's so close. You can already start living into it. it it's just right there. And so being satisfied doesn't mean that you have to just love the status quo, want it to stay the same way. But what allows you to live into that new reality in a way that, that shows who God is, that shows God's love, that shows what life can look like to those around you, 
so that people around you might say, I want to figure out what do they have going on in life? How are you so happy? How are you so loving? How are you so gracious? What, what's different about you? And so Jesus shows up with feasts and parties. And so He's saying, all those people in the world that you think are excluded, that you think God is going to judge and push aside, I want to show you how loving and how amazing God is. Let's throw a party for it. And throwing parties as someone who doesn't seem to have any money is a really interesting adventure. Like, uh, There's a lot of people being willing to throw parties for Jesus. Uh, and he wasn't he didn't have a big business and industry. There's a lot of people saying, I think that there's enough to throw a party today. And so, in this world, where there's so many options, you have so many options of entertainment. You can go watch a local play. You can go to a movie theater. You can watch uh, streaming channels. You can read books. You can listen to podcasts. In church world, they're like, and religiously, we have so much diversity of options. You want a church that loves only the Word and doesn't like anything artistic? There's church for you. You want a church that's super artistic and paintings and just filled with this beauty? There's a church for you. You want a church that's all about serving people and getting into the community? There's a church for you. If you want a church that's only about just feed me, feed me, feed me, there's a church for you there too. There's all sorts of options in this world. But it's on us. Why are we out in the wilderness? What did you come here for? And so today, may you reflect on what is God calling you into. Is there flute music that's playing and you haven't realized that there's a party? Is there wailing and mourning around you and you haven't realized there's a funeral and people are hurting? But no matter whether it's joy or pain, satisfaction, gratitude, thankfulness comes from being one with God and trusting in the One who gives blessings and grace even when we don't deserve it. And so that's my hope for us today is that we might reflect and we might have an answer today. Why am I here, God? And I, I think as you get that answer, I know that if you spend time each day praying, thinking about that answer, God will continue to cultivate what you need and what you are longing for. Beyond just a worship service time, beyond work time, or beyond family time, but throughout your whole life. And so let us be people who seek that satisfaction from God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we come before You confessing that there have been times where we have not named the things that we are thankful for. Lord, that You've had so many blessings in our lives and sometimes we have gone silent. There have been people in our lives who have blessed us and we've gone without appreciation. Lord, I ask that You might change our hearts and our eyes, that we might see and feel the beauty of what people give and provide into our lives. Lord, I ask that You might turn our spirits so that
that we might not just be dissatisfied, but that we might have moments of pure uh, thankfulness and gratitude in You. We have moments where we feel Your love securely. Moments where we feel Your grace afresh. Lord, I ask that anyone who's worshiping with us, if, if we've been living where we've just been so angry, frustrated, disappointed, that You might turn our spirits towards a spirit of gratitude in, in what You bring us. Lord, I ask that You might move not just us individually, but us collectively. We might be like the crowds moved by Your Spirit to not just move you know, a short distance, but to go out into the wilderness, to go out to the far edges of society, to see You, to proclaim You, to live afresh with You. God, move in this community. You move in each of our lives. But I just ask that You would stir that passion in our hearts. Lord, let today be the first day of a new era, a new season in our lives, a new chapter. One that's not focused on what we don't have, but what we have in You. Lord, it's in Your most precious name that we pray. Amen.